0: You may have heard, or even signed, the petition circulating by Vigano that calls the current crisis an opportunity being used by wicked people to work toward the establishment of a global government. That petition allegedly bears the signature of several bishops and cardinals, and at least one of those signatures has caused controversy in the church. This weekend was a barrage of media activity as a consequence, and I have the latest information all packaged together. So if you're not up to date on this situation, here's what you'll see or hear today. First, a petition by Archbishop Vigano and his signatories on the current crisis, followed by the response from Cardinal Sarah, and following that, the rebuttal from Archbishop Vigano. There's a lot of confusion about this, so I figured I'd just put the pieces together and let you make up your own mind. So without further ado, the now controversial document, Appeal for the Church and the World to Catholics and all people of goodwill. In this time of great crisis, we pastors of the Catholic Church, by virtue of our mandate, Consider it our sacred duty to make an appeal to our brothers in the Episcopate, to the clergy, to religious, to the holy people of God, and to all men and women of good will. This appeal has also been undersigned by intellectuals, doctors, lawyers, journalists, and professionals who agree with its content. and may be undersigned by those who wish it to make it their own. The facts have shown that, under the pretext of the current affliction, the inalienable rights of citizens have in many cases been violated— and their fundamental freedoms, including the exercise of freedom of worship, expression, and movement, have been disproportionately and unjustifiably restricted. Public health must not and cannot become an alibi for infringing on the rights of millions of people around the world, let alone for depriving the civil authority of its duty to act wisely for the common good. This is particularly true as growing doubts emerge from several quarters about the actual severity of the crisis. Many authoritative voices in the world of science confirm that the alarmism about the affliction by the media appears to be absolutely unjustified. We have reason to believe on the basis of official data on the incidents of the crisis as related to the number of cases that there are powers interested in creating panic among the world's population with the sole aim of imposing permanent, unacceptable forms of restriction on freedoms, of controlling people, and of tracking their movement. The imposition of these illiberal measures is a disturbing prelude to the realization of world government beyond all control. We also believe that in some situations, the containment measures that were adopted, including the closure of shops and businesses, have precipitated a crisis that has brought down entire sectors of the economy. This encourages interference by foreign powers and has serious social and political repercussions. These forms of social engineering must be stopped by those with governmental responsibility, by taking measures to protect their citizens. Whom they represent and in whose interests they have a serious obligation to act. Likewise, let them help the family, the cell of the society, by not unreasonably penalizing the weak and elderly, force them into painful separation from their loved ones. The criminalization of personal and social relationships must likewise be judged as an unacceptable part of the plan of those who advocate isolating individuals in order to better manipulate and control them. We ask the scientific community to be vigilant. So that solutions for the crisis are offered in honesty for the common good. Every effort must be made to ensure that shady business interests do not influence the choices made by government leaders and international bodies. It is unreasonable to penalize those remedies that have proved to be effective and are often inexpensive, just because one wishes to give priority to treatments or inoculations that are not as good, but which guarantee uh, pharmaceutical companies far greater profits, exacerbate public health expenditures, let us also remember as pastors that we Catholics, it is morally unacceptable to develop or use inoculations to from material from victims of medical practices. We also ask government leaders to ensure that forms of control over people, whether through tracking systems or any other form of location finding, are rigorously avoided. The fight against the affliction, however serious, must not be the pretext for supporting the hidden intentions of supranational bodies that have very strong commercial and political interests in this plan. In particular, citizens must be given the opportunity to refuse these restrictions on personal freedom without any penalty whatsoever being imposed on those who do not wish to use the inoculation, contact tracking, or any other similar tool. Let us also consider the blatant contradiction of those who pursue policies of drastic population control and at the same time present themselves as the saviors of humanity without any political or social legitimacy. Finally, the political responsibility of those who represent the people can in no way be left to experts who who indeed claim a kind of immunity from prosecution which is disturbing to say the least. We strongly urge those in media to commit themselves to providing accurate information and not penalizing dissent by resorting to forms of censorship, as is happening widely on social media, in the press and on television. Providing accurate information requires that room be given to voices that are not aligned with a single way of thinking. This allows citizens to consciously assess the facts, without being heavily influenced by partisan interventions. A democratic and honest debate is the best antidote to the risk of imposing subtle forms of dictatorship, presumably worse than those our society has seen rise and fall in the recent past. Finally, as pastors responsible for the flock of Christ, let us remember that the church firmly asserts her autonomy to govern, worship, and teach. This autonomy and freedom are an innate right that our Lord Jesus Christ has given her for the pursuit of her proper ends. For this reason, as pastors, we firmly assert the right to decide autonomously on the celebration of Mass and the sacraments, just as we claim the absolute autonomy in matters falling within our immediate jurisdiction, such as liturgical norms and ways of administering a communion and the sacraments. The state has no right to interfere, for any reason whatsoever, in the sovereignty of the church. Ecclesiastical authorities have never refused to collaborate with the state, but such collaboration does not authorize civil authorities to impose any sort of ban or restriction on public worship on the exercise of priestly ministry. The rights of God and of the faithful are the supreme law of the Church, which she neither intends to nor can abdicate. We ask that restrictions on the celebration of public ceremonies be removed. We should like to invite all people of goodwill not to shirk their duty to cooperate for the common good, each according to his or her own state and possibilities and in the spirit of fraternal charity. The church desires such cooperation, but it cannot prescind from either a respect for natural law or a guarantee of individual freedoms. The civil duties to which citizens are bound imply the state's recognition of their rights. We are called to assess the current situation in a way consistent with the teaching of the gospel. This means taking a stand, either with Christ or against Christ. Let us not be intimidated or frightened by those who would have us believe that we are a minority. Good is much more widespread and powerful than the world would have us believe. We are fighting against an invisible enemy that seeks to divide citizens, to separate children from their parents, grandchildren from their grandparents, the faithful from their pastors, students from teachers, and customers from vendors. Let us not allow centuries of Christian civilization to be erased under the pretext of a crisis and an odious technological tyranny to be established, in which nameless and faceless people can decide the fate of the world by confining us to a virtual reality. If this is the plan to which the powers of of this earth intend to make us yield, Know that Jesus Christ, King and Lord of history, has promised that the gates of hell shall not prevail. See Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Let us entrust government leaders and all those who rule over the fate of nations to Almighty God, that he may enlighten and guide them in this time of great crisis. May they remember that, just as the Lord will judge us pastors for the flock which he has entrusted to us, so will he also judge government leaders for the peoples whom they have the duty to defend and govern. With faith, let us beseech the Lord to protect the church and the world, May the Blessed Virgin, help of Christians, crush the head of the ancient serpent, and defeat the plans of the children of darkness. Signed on the 8th of May, 2020, Our Lady of the Rosary, Pompeii, by Archbishop Vigano, and, allegedly, by some others. And I say allegedly, some others, because almost as soon as this petition was released, it drew backlash. It bore the names of a few bishops, namely Cardinal Sarah, who has now indicated that he is not a signatory, Cardinal Gerhard Muller former prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, Cardinal Joseph Zen, Emeritus Bishop of Hong Kong, and Cardinal Giannis Pujats, Emeritus Archbishop of Riga, Latvia. Two U.S. bishops are also alleged signatories, Bishop René Garcida, Emeritus Bishop of Corpus Christi, and Bishop Joseph Strickland, the Bishop of Tyler, Texas. Cardinal Sarah's response is the point of our focus here. Initially, Catholic news agency claimed that Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas denied being a signatory, but that was apparently an error and sent a version of the article off the internet. Sarah responded on Twitter with two tweets mentioned in the revised CNA article, and in a third on Saturday. They read, quote, I share on a personal basis some of the questions or concerns raised with regard to restrictions on fundamental freedoms, but I have not signed this petition. And, A cardinal prefect of the Roman Curia must observe a certain reserve in political matters, so I explicitly asked this morning the authors of the petition titled For the Church and for the World, Not to Mention Me. And finally, quote, I will not speak to this petition, which today seems to occupy a lot of people. I leave to their conscience those who want to exploit it in one way or another. I decided to not sign this text. I fully accept my choice. End quote. He then initialed that last tweet. As you can imagine, that last tweet was interpreted negatively by some others, and by all appearances, it was interpreted negatively by Archbishop Viganot, who released a second statement to rebut Cardinal Serra's Twitter activity. Here is that statement by Vigano. I promise it's shorter than his first. Statement May 8, 2020. Subject, His Eminence Cardinal Robert Serra's withdrawal of official support from the Appeal for the Church and the World, released yesterday, May seventh. At this time of serious crisis that the Church and the world are passing through, it is my wish to abide by an attitude of deep charity towards my brother in Christ, Cardinal Robert Serra, whom I immediately pay for the grave wrong he committed against the truth and my person. Genuine charity, however, cannot disregard the truth, since it has its foundation in it. I therefore have the duty, also for the sake of fraternal correction, to make known the series of events as they occurred, with regard to Cardinal Serra's signing of the appeal. Monday, May 4th at 4 p.m., I had a telephone conversation with His Eminence, Cardinal Serra. The call was recorded and lasted 6 minutes and 25 seconds. Regarding the text of the appeal, the Cardinal said, It seems to me a very serious matter. I think that this appeal will do much good, because it will make us reflect and take a position. I agree that it should be published as soon as possible. I then asked his eminence if he intended to sign it. The cardinal replied, Yes, I agree to put my name to it, because this is a fight that we must engage in together, not only for the Catholic Church, but for all mankind. Thursday, May 7th, at 8.43 a.m., I telephoned his eminence, to ask him if he had a telephone number for Cardinal Gerhard Ludwig Müller which he later kindly sent to me by SMS. During this telephone call, which lasted four minutes, Cardinal Serra made no reference to his wish to withdraw his signature. At 3 3 p.m., I began to send out the text of the appeal with a list of signatories, including Cardinal Serra, to press agencies, blogs, and various newspapers. At 5.48 p.m., I received a text message from the Cardinal, but only became aware of it about an hour and a half later. At the time the message was sent, I was totally absorbed in the work of disseminating the appeal and then I did not see the arrival of his eminence's message, and therefore was not able immediately to become aware of its contents. At 7.37 p.m., the cardinal telephoned me if I, asking if I had seen his message. I said no. This is the text of the message sent to me by the cardinal. Dearest Excellency, as I am still working in the Roman Curia, some friends of mine advise me not to sign your proposed appeal. Perhaps it would be better to remove my name this time. I am very sorry. You know my friendship and my closeness to you. Thank you for your understanding. Robert Cardinal Serra. The Cardinal informed me in his telephone call that he intended to remove his name from the list of signatories. I was terribly sorry and pointed out to his eminence that the appeal and the signatures had already been circulated universally for more than four hours. The conversation ended without his eminence requesting or suggesting any solution. One could, for example, have agreed on a joint statement in which the Cardinal's decision to withdraw his signature was made public. None of this was done. We cordially said goodbye, expressing our esteem and mutual support. Faced with this de facto situation to which neither he nor I were able to find a solution, I took the liberty of encouraging his eminence, pointing out to him how much his support of the appeal would be of comfort and encouragement to a great many faithful. With surprise and deep regret, I learned that his eminence had used his Twitter account without giving me any notice, to make statements that caused serious harm to the truth and to my person. I am very sorry that this matter, which is due to human weakness and for which I bear no resentment towards the person who caused it, has distracted our attention from what must seriously concern us at this dramatic moment. I confirm that the name of his eminence Cardinal Robert Serra has been promptly removed from the official website of the appeal, as can be seen at, with web address, signed Carlo Maria Vigano, Archbishop Apostolic Nuncio, Official Translation. Note that Vigano said he recorded the conversation between himself and Cardinal Serra. He was later asked by members of the media to produce the tapes of the conversation, and he declined, so I guess we'll never know. I honestly don't know what to think about all this, so let me know your thoughts in the, in the comments about this just whole mess. And uh, just remember, keep praying for the church, and we'll get through this together. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.